Glad you are here today. We are in this final series. Thank you, everybody. Final series on partnering with God to arrive at the will of God for our life. If you're new to our church or maybe didn't catch this series or you've missed out, let me just catch you up really quickly to tell you that everything you need from God is on the other side of your willingness to partner with God. Let me say it better this way. Salvation is a free gift from God. You can't do anything. You can't earn it. You can't work. You can't be good enough. The Bible said we are saved by grace through faith. Everything I would say by uh, the Lord does everything for us in that in, in, in that salvation. You can't do anything. You can't say, well, I give or I show up or I was raised in church or I did the right thing or I looked the right way. None of that is going to earn God's love or salvation. But right after that, listen to me, everything you need from God after that, you and I are going to have to partner with God to arrive at that. That's the theological word is sanctification. So salvation comes from God. Sanctification is I got to partner with God to get everything I need in my life. Shout amen to that. It's in the New Testament. Some lepers come to Jesus. They need to be healed by Jesus. Jesus doesn't heal them automatically. Jesus lays his hand on them. He heals them. The process of healing begins. But the Bible says, go and show yourself to the priest. This is what Jesus tells these 10 lepers. And the Bible says, on their way, as they went, they were cleansed. That's sanctification. That's saying, I'm going to do what I can do, and God's going to do what God can do, and we're going to get at the best life that we've had. Can I get a better amen in church today? I want you to live in that partnership. Now you think, well, well, I've done the right things or so I think and, and still some things I don't understand. Deuteronomy 29, we talked about a few weeks ago. The Bible says that the secret things belong to the Lord. In other words, there's some stuff that only God knows. They belong to God and we're not accountable to them. Some stuff just happens in your life. And the quicker you let go of your need to know why, the quicker you can trust God with what you do know. And so there's, some, there's hurts and disappointments, and, and they belong to God. There's secret things belong to the Lord. But the, it goes on to say there are some revealed things that God has revealed to us, and they belong to us and our children forever, and we're accountable to them forever. In other words, there are some things we do know to do. So the best example I can give you is in your health. Now, genetics made me five foot something, you know. None of your business how tall I am. A little, little shorter than I wish I was. Genetics did all of that to me. But Krispy Kreme gave me this waist size. Are y'all with me, everybody? Some stuff I couldn't control. Some stuff I can. And, and it happens in our faith that sometimes we like to blame the stuff we couldn't control instead of the stuff I could. We like to say, well, if that wouldn't have happened, then I wouldn't be here. Well, if that, you know, if God would have done something different over there, if everything would have been different over there, that belongs to the Lord. But there are some stuff that belong to me. They belong to our family. There's some revealed stuff. And if you'll do that, you'll, you'll partner with God to arrive at the will of God in your life. Say amen to that. We've called these the forces that form your future. There are, I think there, there may be more, but I've identified nine of them. That if you'll get your arms around these nine forces, I think you'll get to what we've called a predictable future. That you can get to the place that God has for you. I don't have time to teach them all to you, but they represent the potential and power of God in your life to, get, to govern your life, to set you up for success, to bless you, and to bless your family. If you're new, I'll give you very quickly the seven that we've already done, and I'm going to bring you the final two today. Number one was the force of a seed sown. The force of a seed sown. We said that you can't 
sow bad seed and then pray for crop failure, that whatever you sow, you reap. Three of you. Three of you were here four weeks ago. Whatever you sow, you reap. You reap whatever you sow. You reap what you sow. You got to sow the stuff you want to grow in your life. If you want joy to grow in your life, you got to sow some joy in your life. If you want peace in your family, you're going to have to start being so doggone argumentative. You got to learn to sow some peace into your family. Say amen to that. If you want to, if you want to reap in your life a harvest of your children serving the Lord, I would bring them every Wednesday night to student ministry. Why? Because you're looking at a product of somebody whose mama dragged them to youth service every. So we had Friday night youth service. Everybody, Did y'all have Friday night youth service? Anybody? Two of us. We're the only th- three of us. We're the only people who's still serving God. But anyway, my. She drug us to youth service all of my life. And you're looking at 25 years of vocational ministry because of that seed sown. I am the harvest of the seed my parents sowed in my life. It's the power of a seed sown. Number two, it's the force of a belief. The force of a belief. What you believe about a thing determines how you treat a thing. If you'll change your beliefs, you'll change your behavior. And then your life drastically changes. It's the force of a belief. Number three, the force of a thought, your thought life. Everybody say my thought life. Say my thought life. Most of your problems are between your ears. (laughs) You ever worried about something that never happened? You ever stayed up a whole night long worrying about something that never, you ever have really good arguments in your mind that you never actually have, you know? Men, by the way, this is not a marriage message, but that'll help you. Just let it go through your head first before it comes out of your mouth, okay? Why don't you run it through that process first? You can control your life. Your life's moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. It's the force of a thought. Number four, the force of feelings. The force of your feelings. You don't have to feel everything you feel. I think one of the greatest predictors of success in your life is emotional intelligence. It's your ability to regulate your emotions. I was talking uh, with someone the other day about raising children. I rarely preach about raising children. Stick around with me. Uh, In a few years from now, I'll I'll teach on raising kids, but I have a 12-year-old and a 9-year-old, so I don't have much answers right now. And I don't need your horror stories either, by the way. (laughs) But uh, in about 9 years, 10 years, when they they get out of the house, I'll have a few things to say. But I will say this, um, parents, this is just a little side note. You are raising an adult that some other adult is going to have to manage. You are raising an adult that's going to have to go to work for somebody. And what you think is cute little Johnny's temper tantrum, their boss is going to fire them. So it would behoove us as parents to teach our children to control their feelings. Are you still with me? How many of you know adults that don't know how to control what they feel? Right? It's the force of your feelings. You got to learn how to have emotional control, the force of your feelings. Number, whatever this is, five, the force of your words, the force of your words, whatever you say, you can create your world with what you say. And then last week, Pastor Trent, we had a guest last week who uh, uh, preached the, the force of personal values, living a spirit-filled life and walking in the spirit, the values of the spirit, and then the force of habits, the force of habits. Number seven, the force of habits. You make your habits and then your habits make you. You make your habits, and then your habits make you. Today, I'm going to give you two more, and I think these may be the most potent forces that I've brought to you yet. Of the nine, I think these are, I actually put them at the end of this, uh, this series, 
because I think they may carry the greatest ability and greatest power to form the future God has for you. Are you ready to receive the word? Say, I'm ready. Say, I'm ready. All right, good. If you're not taking notes, you're not ready. Number one, the force of relationships. I want to teach you about the force of relationships. I don't know this. This is a pretty bold statement. I don't know this to be a fact, but I have anecdotal evidence over the last two and a half decades of vocational ministry to tell you the single greatest decision of your life after following Jesus is who you're going to put in your life. Let me say it better like this. The relationships you allow around you, your marriage, your friendships, your friend group, that small group, the people that you allow closest are the single greatest predictor of whether your life succeeds and you move in the direction that God has for you or whether you're held back and you don't have everything that God has for you. It matters who's in your circle. Say amen to that. And we have been in a strange season in Western culture because of the last four or five years. How many of you, be honest, say over the last five years, six years, seven years, you've lost a friend who you thought, there's no way I'm going to lose that friend, but some political divide or some, something, and you've lost a friend in the last five years. Raise your hand. It's all over. It's rampant, by the way, everybody. That you're, not, you're not unique. It's a, it's a cultural phenomenon that we're going through where friendships are ending and divorce is growing and, and loneliness is overwhelming and we have crippling isolation and we have ongoing division and your side and my side and cancel culture. Let me go ahead and tell you right now, this isn't in my notes, but cancel culture is not kingdom culture. We don't have the right as spirit-filled believers because you disagree with someone to decide they can just go away. They don't matter. It doesn't matter what they say, what they do. Are you with me, everybody? You can have a relationship with people that you don't agree with, but we live in this culture that says you're either for us or against us. You're either on my side or their side. And it's affecting you. It's affecting our relationships, and we get isolated, and we get lonely, and we live in our own echo chamber. Not y'all, but people in second, th third service. Uh-oh. <laughs> you live in your own echo chamber, and you start thinking, well, everybody thinks like me. Everybody don't think like you. You isolate and get all alone. Write this in your notes. The first problem in the Bible wasn't sin. It was solitude. When you open your Bible, the first thing you run into is not, the first problem you bump into in Genesis is not sin. You say, well, what about the fruit? And what about the serpent? Well, that comes in Genesis 3, but that's not the first thing. The first thing you bump into in human history is not sin. The first thing you bump into in human history is solitude. I'll show it to you in God's word, Genesis 2 and 18. The Lord God said about Adam, it is not good for the man to be alone. All the married men say amen to that, by the way. It's not good, but you didn't brush your teeth or dress good or anything until your wife got around. You know what I mean? It's not good for you to be alone. God wasn't just talking about a marriage relationship. He was talking about a human condition of solitude. Now, the crazy thing about this story is that God and Adam had a daily dinner date where they would walk through. The Bible said they walked through the cool of the evening. The Lord God would come and walk with Adam through the cool of the evening. Now imagine God and Adam are together every single day and God still sees something in Adam that's missing. Look at me. There is, God created you such that he can't do everything you need. You need people to help fulfill the destiny of your life. 
You need relationships to help you get everything God has for you. And while God and Adam had a personal relationship, God knew Adam needed somebody else, the right relationship in his life. It is not good for you to be alone. You were created for community. You were formed for the family of God. And the lie that says, I don't need nobody. I'm good all by myself. The people who say that, they, their lives go deeper in depression and more unhealthy and they feel abandoned and they're angry at everybody and they're more discouraged and they get further isolated and then the cycle begins to continue. And before you know it, you're an old man, an old woman, desperate for a relationship, but at this point you've cut off everybody in your life, isolated yourself, and you die alone. You say, Pastor, that sounds drastic, except it's the culture that we're living in. That I don't need anybody. I'm good. I'm good to stay home in my pajamas all by myself. Now listen, a couple of things happened at COVID. One of the things I want to thank God for is he allowed me to understand Uber Eats and DoorDash. Can I get a better amen? And my spiritual gift on a Friday night in my mid-40s is a little Netflix and a little pajama britches, and some DoorDash. That's my idea of a wild Friday night. Are y'all with me on this? I enjoy, if you're 20, you're thinking, that's terrible, that's so sad. You just wait around, honey. It's not sad at all. I'm the happiest brother you've seen. The problem is it became our, our habit and our culture. And we started thinking, well, I like this so much on Friday night, I'm going to do it on Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night. I don't need anybody. I'm good. I can get, I can get church online. I even like the preachers better online, and honestly, I do too. I can just watch TV on my screen, or I can, I, we, we just got, we got our own thing, and I don't need anybody else in my life. The truth of the matter is, here's what I know about you. It's true about you. It's true about me that real life change, write this down, real life change happens in the context of relationships. Your life changes in relationships. And when we talk about marriage and relationships and friendships, you got to see them as a partnership because the decision for who you allow in your life will affect the welfare and the well-being of the entirety of your life. Let me say it like this. Relationships are partnerships for the better or for worse. The right relationships in your life will move your life forward. It'll help you. It'll promote you. It'll propel you. But the wrong relationships can hold you back and stop you and slow you down and drag you down and destroy the potential of God in your life. Are you still there? Say amen. And I know what you think. You think, yeah, I got, I got the wrong friends. I got the wrong relationships, but I'm just trying to help them. I'm just trying to help them. Not y'all, but people in third service. They come to me and they go, Pastor, I know he's not in church, but I'm going to win him. I know we're dating and I know he doesn't serve, tithe, give, show up, pray, shower, anything, but I'm going to change him. I'm going to make, I know I got the wrong friends from high school and college. I know I'm around a bunch of negative people who talk bad about the church and talk bad about God. And they're not praying and they're not serving. I know I got the wrong friends, but I'm there to help them. Look at me. Let me teach you a spiritual principle called the law of spiritual gravity. How many of you believe in the law of gravity? Good. Why would you not raise your hand about that? How many of you believe in the law of gravity? 
All right, there we go. I didn't ask you if you went to the moon. Everybody knows we didn't do that. I'm talking about gravity. <laughs> Y'all know we didn't do that. Gravity says what, what goes up must come down. Spiritual gravity works the same way. Stay right there, Jason, but grab my hand. You can't do it. I'm too short. Get up. Look, look at me. I'm gonna, I know they're not the right people, but I'm going to pull them up. I, I, know, I know they don't go to church, but I'm working on them. I know. Listen. I know they talk about I know they're negative. I know, they're, I, I know they don't pray. I know they don't tithe. I know, but I'm working. I'm going to get up where I'm going. The law of spiritual gravity says that gravity is on his side. And it's easier to pull me down to him than him up to me. And that's true in the relationships in your life. It's easier to be pulled down than to come up. You look at your relationships. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Some of you are looking around thinking, oh my God, <laughs> these jokers, these, this is who I'm the average of. You got the average marriage of the five married couples you stand around. You hang around negative people, you're going to be a negative person. You hang around people whose marriages are failing, guess what starts happening? Your marriage starts struggling. You get friendships right, it has set you up for every relationship, it has set you up for every success. Every important area of your life will move forward if you get it right. If you get relationships wrong, it will give you more pain and destruction than you could possibly imagine. Brandon and I have two babies, a 12-year-old and a 9-year-old. My 12-year-old serving in this service. That's, thank you. The second prayer, I pray for them every day. The first one is they follow the Lord every day of their life. I want them to love Jesus and love his church. I want them to love Jesus and love his church. The second thing I pray for them every single day, they have been alive, 12 plus years. At my little boy's nine years old, every day of their life, I'm asking God to send the right people to them. Because their desire to serve the Lord can be trumped by the wrong relationships. The wrong people, the wrong influences, the wrong friends. Are y'all with me, everybody? The wrong, I pray for their spouses, which by the way, Hazel's gonna be 25, 30 years from now. Long time before you get married. But I pray for their spouses. I pray for their friends. Are y'all with me, everybody? You think, well, that works for kids, but I don't know about for me. No, it works for you too. It's amazing to me when one negative person leaves the church, how three or four other people decide, oh yeah, you're right. I forgot about how mad I was at this church. <laughs> no, you just had the wrong relationships. When, when one person stops praying, it's, ama it's amazing what happens when the group gets together and start, yeah, well, and we didn't come to 21 days because I, and, and, and the, the reverse is true too. When one person in the friend group goes all in with God, it's amazing. Four or five other people go all in with God. Why? It's the force of relationships in your life. Write it down like this. I know it's an old adage, but it's true. If you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me the people that you spend the time with, the relationships that you have. Any success I have is a result of God using the right friends in my life. The right relationships in my life have propelled me forward. Two people are responsible for 25 years of integrous ministry in my life. One of them is the Holy Spirit. The other one's Brandy Nicole Rose, right there on that front row. Because the right relationship can propel your life forward or hold you back. Are you with me, everybody? Are you still with me? 
It's the force of relationships in your life. Almost every time I got into trouble, almost every bad decision I make, it's because I got friends reading the wrong way, going the wrong way. Come on, the, the worst thing you can have is that one friend that says, what's this? Yeah, you know? Hold my beer or Diet Coke or whatever it is for you, you know? And then you go make dumb decisions. It's relationships. It's the people. It's the people closest to your life. God wants you to be in relationships that are supportive and full of joy and life-giving and encouraging and spiritual. That's why Proverbs 13 and 20 says it like this. If you'll walk with the wise, you can become. You didn't say that. Walk with the wise and become wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. Wisdom is a spiritual gift. And this is amazing to me that God will give you the spiritual gift of wisdom if you'll just hang around other wise people. You don't even have to do anything for that, but hang around the right people and God will put wisdom in your life. God will give you wisdom if you'll hang around the right people. But a companion of fools, if you're looking around going, what are these fools doing? What's happening in their life? Harm comes into your life. God doesn't want you in the wrong relationships and he doesn't want you alone. He wants you to have the right friendships and relationships that move your life forward. It's the force of relationships. Amen. He don't want you lonely. He don't want you isolated. He don't want the only connection you have to be digital. Uh-oh. He doesn't want the only connection. The American Sociological Review said the average American only has two close friends in their life. 40% of Americans surveyed said they have zero close friends at all except for digital. They even lie to us and tell us the people on social media are friends and followers. Look at me. They're not friends and they're not following you. We have this disconnect and this loneliness and Solomon addresses this issue. Ecclesiastes 4, if you have your Bible, flip there really quick. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes tells this story of a man who's all alone. Verse 8, Ecclesiastes 4. There was a man who's all alone. He had neither a son nor a brother. Look at me, underline this in your Bible. A son or a brother. You need somebody you're leading and somebody who's leading with you. A son and a brother. A son and a brother. There was a man who's all alone. He had neither a son nor a brother, and there was no end to his toil. Worked all the time. His eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? And then verse 9, he answers his own question, and he says, two are better than one. Because when they work together, they have a better return on their labor. Verse 10. And if either of them falls down, there's somebody there. and One can help the other up. But pity anybody who falls and has no one to help them up. There have been times in your life, times in my life when I've fallen. And hadn't had anybody there to pick me up. Two lie down together. They'll stay warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And the one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And here's what I want to tell you. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Look, look at me. If areas of your life are quickly broken, it could be because you're in the wrong relationships. Let me say it better like this. If you have emotional breaking constantly, if you have a mental breaking constantly, if you're constantly in broken relationships, broken friendships, it could be but you have the wrong, because if you'll get three people and the right people together, the Bible said that's not easily broken. Are you with me, everybody? It's the force of relationships in your life.
It's the force of the right people. So what do I do with that? I'm glad you asked. A couple of things. Write these in your notes. Number one, you got to learn how to be present. You got to actually show up face to face, not thumbs to thumbs. <laughs> face to face, not thumbs to thumbs. You got to be present. You got to show up. I used to think, man, showing up's the easiest part. No, showing up's about three quarters of the battle, everybody. It's about three quarters of the battle, just showing up, just being present, just saying, I'm going to be there. I'm going to show up. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let's think of ways to motivate each other to acts of love and good works. And don't neglect meeting together, showing up as some people do. But when you get together, encourage one another as especially more as the days get darker and Jesus is coming back. You got to be present. There is power in showing up. There is power in saying, I'm here. I'm in a group. I'm on a team. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm there. I'm there for you. If you want someone to show up in your life, you better learn how to show up in others. You got to be present. How do I be? Okay, all right, tell me. How, what do I do with presence? Here's the two things. Write it down. Today. Everybody say today. Shout today. Shout today. Join a group and get on a team. Today, today, in this church, in this service, today. Now, I'm going to preach about 45 more Sundays to you, the Lord willing. And this is as hard as I'll tell it to you, but I'm going to tell it to you hard today. Get in a group and get on a team. Join a group and join a team. You say, Pastor, you just want to fill up small groups. No, we have tons of them. You just need more people to help with three services. Look at me. I love you, but we did it without you today. We do a lot without you. We could do a lot more with you. But look at me. You need it as much as it needs you. You need somebody texting you going, where are you at? What's going on? Didn't see it prayer. Why are you not at huddle? I, I got a seat beside me. You, you didn't come. Where are you at? I'm coming to where you are. What's going on in your life? How can I pray for you? You got to be present. You got to be present. Now look at me. I love you. Do you know I love you? I hope you do. Good. Nobody said amen. Ooh. I love you very much. But don't come to me in October talking about I just don't have friends here. I just didn't feel connected. You got to be present to feel connected. You got to be present. Today. Ten of you today need to start a small group. You say, I don't know about starting a small group. I don't know how to study the Bible. I don't even have to do any of that. To start a small group, you just have to pick a day and a time. Do you know what a calendar is? A day and a time. You can find a day and a time on a calendar. And then you have to pick a place. Starbucks, Raising Cane's, your house, not my house. And then you just have to invite a couple of other people. And you just started a small group. Well, what are we going to do? Whatever you want to do. Share a meal. Share coffee. Study the Bible. Read a book together. Play pickleball, run, play golf. We're going to give you my message notes every week, starting next week when small groups kick off. We'll have a, I, I'm actually creating for you separate content based on my weekend sermons. that You can just discuss that. You don't even have to think. You just have to open it up and go, well, here's the three questions they told me to talk about. You pray together and you go home. You say, well, that, how's my life going to change? I'll tell you how. Because it's 10 weeks long and about week four or five or six, look at me, something's going to break. Hard day at work, tough time in your marriage, decision you got to make with your kids, teenager going wild. 
it happens. It's happened for eight years that we've been a church, and it happens every semester. It happened this semester. Somebody in the group will finally take their mask off and go, hey, everybody, I need some help. And you showing up will change your life. Change your life. You got to be present. Then you got to get open. Number two, you got to get open. You got to be present. You got to get open. You got you to decide to tell somebody. James 5.16 James 5, 16 says, confess your sins one to, everybody say, to each other. other. Confess your sins to who? Confess your sins to who? Each other. other. And then pray for who? That you may be healed. Now look at me. We say it this way. You go to God for forgiveness. But you got to go to God's people to get healing. The Bible didn't say, confess your sins to God for healing. It said, find you a brother. You don't have to tell everybody, but you got to tell somebody. Hey, here's what's going on. Here's what I need. I need some help. It's the force of relationships. Join a group and join a team today. Here's the last one. I'm going to teach you. All nine forces got me to right here. It's the force of a dream. If you cut me open, this is the kind of preaching I, I, I believe. Nine more minutes worth of preaching to you about dreaming God-sized dreams. That God has purpose for your life. That you're not here by accident. That if there's some areas of your life that you feel like, man, I just don't know. This seems dull and not vibrant. It's because you quit dreaming. And one of the callings on my life, one of the anointings God put on my life is to help you dream again. To believe with all of your heart that if you're breathing, there's hope. That you still have purpose. You never outgrow purpose or dreams in your life. And you think, well, I don't know, man. I I just don't know. I used to have a good imagination. You remember it. Let me tell you something. This is an old man preaching. When we were kids, we didn't have uh, iPads. We had outside. Are y'all with me on that? We had outside. My mama locked the door outside. Did did y'all ever do that? Did your mama do that? One, apparently my mom was an abuser. (laughs) She would lock my brother and I outside. Don't come in. Go outside and do what? We didn't have iPads. We didn't have Nintendos. We didn't have Game Boys. We had a box and a spoon. Brother, we spent hours. Your imagination. We made rocket ships and cars. and Why? Because your imagination runs wild. The older you get, the more you need accessories to dream. The older you get, you start thinking, well, I can dream if I get a new truck. I can dream if I get a new house. We could just get the ranch I've always wanted. If I can make more money. If I can get this career, I can dream again. But the same God of the imagination when you were 8, 9, 10 years old is the same God when you're 48, 49, 50 years old. You think, well, my dreams is dead, Pastor. I, I used to. I used to dream like that. I got out of college and I had a bunch of plans and purpose and dreams, but all that's dead. Write this down in your notes. When your dream dies, God's dreams can awaken. When your dream dies, God's dream can awaken. Now look at me. If you don't hear anything else I'll say, hear this. The reason why you've lived the last five years the same life 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023. And now here you are in February of 2024 and you have the same problems, same issues, same insecurity, same emptiness, same lack of purpose and goals. And you just think, God, when's this cycle going to stop? Listen to me. It's because you're giving CPR to your dream. 
You, you put your dream on life support. Instead of going, okay, God, I'm going to let that die so you can give me your dreams. So maybe it wasn't about me all along. Maybe it wasn't about what I wanted all along. Maybe it was about what you wanted to do in my life. Dreams are the target of our faith. They're the thing that we can look to and go, I'm going to get there. God's going to do that this year. God's going to save my family this year. I'm going to start a small group this year. I'm going to write that book this year. And we're going to get in counseling this year. I'm going to go back to school this year. We're going to start that business this year. We're going to open that food truck this year and invite our pastor over. <laughs> I'm going to dream again. So today I have a special guest for you. Our team's going to come play a little bit, but this is Pastor Jeff Cecil. He and his wife, Heidi, who's on the front row in this service. Thanks for coming. They're missionaries, everybody, to Gambia and West Africa. Do better than that. I, they're, they're missionaries to the Gambia. Yeah. There you go. That, do better than that. They're missionaries who gave their whole life to the gospel. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Now listen, Thank you. Jeff and Heidi were in our wedding 24 years ago. <laughs> we were kids together. And our life kind of took a direction. We went into ministry at 19 and kind of moved that way. They went into ministry and their life moved them to Africa. And a couple of years ago, we started noticing, boy, they travel a whole lot. They don't go to the Caribbean. They're going to the poorest of the poor. God was beginning to birth a dream in them. Tell that story, Jeff. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pastor Mitch, Brandy, our friends since the mid-90s. Amen. We go back. The 1890s. The 1890s. <laughs> 1890s in North Carolina. There are such wonderful friends, and we've had a wonderful time with them this weekend, and we thank them for their kindness. Thank you to this church for having us today. Amen. In the early 2000s, um, we... We, we had a call of God upon our life, and we were being actively used in the church. We were freshly married. We married at 20 years old, exactly one year after Mitch and Brandy married. And my wife had specific dreams as a child of being an, a missionary to Africa. Maybe not the Gambia, maybe not Sierra Leone, not even West Africa, but she knew as a child that she was, she had dreams, specific dreams of being a, a missionary to Africa. I didn't have those dreams, but I was praying. I was raised up praying as a young person to pray, God, whatever you would have me to do, that's what I want to do. So we were, we were newly married. We were, we got in our careers. I wasn't running from a call from God, but I was just right out of high school and, and technical college. I went into a career and if I can be honest with you, I, again, I wasn't running from a call from God. I was just, I was starting to make good money and my wife was making good money, but I, there was still this dream and God there, I can take you to certain services and certain places where God would talk to me. And, and again, I wasn't running from it, but I was more comfortable saying, you know what? I'm kind of I'm kind of hesitant and that's a little scary and I don't know how it would happen. And I don't know, God, are you sure this is Jeff here? I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not missionary material. 
So I'm just going to work in this good job and I'm going to give hundreds of dollars a month towards missions. You know, I've always heard in the church, some go and some give so others can go. So God, I'm going to be a giver and we gave. But that dream just kept and we weren't happy and we were giving, but that dream was still there. So in 2013, we decided, okay, we're going to take our first trip to West Africa. We went to Cameroon for 30 days. And from there, it was all confirmed. God is calling us to this region of the world. And I wasn't still quite ready. It was 2013 to 2019. We're working at this point. We're preparing. Um, okay, God, well, if we're going to do this, I need to be debt free. And so I was preparing myself. We were preparing ourselves spiritually to take this step. God, I wasn't ready in 2013 to go to West Africa full time. It took until 2019 when we stepped out on faith and we resigned from our local church, from everything that we were doing in our local church, we resigned from our jobs and we stepped out on faith. Even in our own insecurities, we trusted God. We had wonderful friends that just called out of the blue and just seriously, it was pure God and said, Jeff, I hear you about to make a, a big step. What do you need? And this church, I don't know if you know this or not, this church has been our partner for over three years financially. And I thank you very much. Amen. Because of partners like you, because of givers like you, we are able to go. And I thank you for that. Thank you for believing in the Great Commission. Thank you for sending missionaries. So it was in 2019, we went and moved to Sierra Leone. And we were in the will of God. We were helping build churches. We were building a Bible college. We were instructors in the Bible college. We were preaching in bush churches on the weekends. We were in support of the the church there in Sierra Leone. But still, even after two years, we felt like that there was more to this dream because we're still praying, God, here we are in Sierra Leone. We're doing exactly where you have led us. But we felt like there was more and we want to be exactly where you would have us to be. So in 2022, um, it was God. We didn't even know it was God. We needed, if I can just be uh, transparent with you, we needed a holiday. We needed a break. And I just randomly, we talked about, we sit on the couch, we randomly said, let's visit the Gambia. Let me pause here. I've never thought for a vacation, let's visit the Gambia. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I was on a budget. It was close. It was an hour flight safe, stable West African country that had some resorts, clean beaches. We went to the Gambia. And when we stepped off that plane, the dream that God, it all became clear to us. The calling became Gambia, smallest nation in Africa, 2.5 million people, 96% Sunni Muslim. And they had our church organization, we had no worker there. To my knowledge, there was not anyone there teaching and preaching the truth of God's word. A nation that was in bondage to religious, in religious bondage. God would call us, we would go, amen. And God has blessed us. So nine months before you moved there in February, came home in November. In that nine months, how many people have you baptized? So we moved there last February, last year, 
nine months, we baptized 66 people in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank God. Planted how many churches? Two. Started how many small groups? Four. Now listen. Thank you, Jesus. It just starts with a journey. It's God be the glory. It just starts with a journey. It's just saying, okay, God, what do you want from me? What do you, it's just an available life. It's just saying, okay, God, this year, what do you want from me? The reason I needed to end this whole series with this story is because, God, what do you want from my life? What are you calling me to in this year? Maybe it's not West Africa. Maybe it is. We're going. We decided. You're welcome. You're going to have to knock me out on the plane ride, you know? But we're going. And we're going to build a church in Jesus' name, everybody. They need a new church building for all those converts. We're going to build a church together. God may be just calling you to take your next step and leading a group or joining the dream team tonight or getting baptized or maybe God's leading you to get in counseling like you've battled this long enough. Maybe God's leading you to just finally lay down this addiction. There's just something that God's put in your heart. You say, okay, God, this is it. This is the dream of my life. I want you to dream again. I want to awaken that dream on the inside of you. You can arrive at the will of God for your life. You just got to partner with God to get there. Stand up all over the house. Pastor, stay with me on stage. I want you to pray. Because I want that gift of faith that's on you, on them. So maybe you're here today and you're thinking, I don't know how to do this. I, I don't know. I don't know what this year holds, but I want everything God wants for me. I want everything God wants for my marriage. I want everything God wants for my finances. I want everything God wants for my children. And I'm going to take control. I'm going to partner with God this year. I'm not going to sit back and be a bystander to my destiny. No, I'm going I'm to go all in with God. I ask you at the beginning of every year to give us a year of your life. I'm asking you today, give me one year. Go all in with God. Do everything. Join a group. Lead a group. Get on the team. Tithe. Pray. Read your Bible. Get baptized. Bring your kids to everything. Come to Summer Blast. Go to youth camp. Go, go to every conference we have. Come to Serve Day. Do everything that we do for, for a year. Go, go all in for a year. Come to every Sunday. Don't miss. You get to the end of the year, and if God hadn't radically changed your life, I'll help you find another church. I may even go with you. So far, nobody's ever taken me up. Because if you'll go all in with God, He'll go all in with you. Your life will be drastically different. So why don't you bow your heads and open your hands before the Lord. And I'm going to ask Pastor Jeff to release the gift of faith over you. That you awaken that dream again. That you let God move in your life again. That you surrender completely to the Lord. Lord, we thank you for this word today. God, I thank you for speaking through the man of God today. We receive this word. We receive this seed to be planted in our hearts and our spirits. God, I pray that you will speak to your people. God, you have been speaking to us. There are people in this room that have a calling upon their lives. They have a dream. God, I pray that you will put us in a position where we can hear your voice, that we can be led by your spirit. But even, even more than that, God, I pray that you will help us to obey Help us to walk as you would have us to walk. Help us to go where you would have us to go. Even in our weakness, 
even in our failures and our insecurities. God, I pray that you will help us. We stand upon the promises of your word. We step out in faith, God, as we chase our God-given dream, the plan and purpose that you have given us. God, we step out in faith today, knowing, God, that you will go with us knowing God that you have given us this dream, knowing God that this is your plan and your purpose. God, I'm not enough, but you are enough. We lean and depend upon you. We stand upon your word. We stand upon your promises. God, I pray your blessing and your favor upon your people today, God, as they chase after your God-given dream and purpose in their life. Make us all missionaries. Make us all missionaries to reach our family, our friends. Help us to do everything that we can do for your kingdom. Let us be and let us, let us go where you would have us to go and be. In Jesus' name we pray. Jesus, we lead into Stay right where you are. Keep your eyes closed if you've never given your heart to Jesus. I want to give you a chance to surrender your whole life to God. It starts there. If you're far from the Lord today, you know you are. You're ready to come home. You need a fresh start with God. I want to lead you in what we call a fresh start prayer. I can't pray it for you, but I can pray it with you. As a matter of fact, everybody in church praying out loud, say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose again. Now here's the part only you can pray from the depths of your soul. Say, I repent. I repent of my sins. I give you my past. I give you my mistakes. I give you my letdowns, the habits of my life the frustrations of my life. God, I give you my future. I give you my hopes. I give you my dreams. Save me today. Make me brand new. Be the Lord of my life for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody shout a big amen. Amen. Do you receive the word of the Lord over your heart today?